Welcome back to the Live With Grace podcast, where we discuss sports, lessons, and life as athletes, professionals, creators, dreamers, and leaders. I'm Grace Beyer, and I'm your host, and I'm so happy you're here. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Live With Grace podcast. Today, I'm on the show with Coach Mallory O'Dell, a graduate of the women's basketball program, both at Longwood University, which is a D1 school in Virginia, and at Valdosta State University, which is in Georgia, for her fifth year and her grad year. And this past season, she was actually a GA for the women's basketball program at Valdosta State. And I'm very grateful to welcome her to the show today. She just took up a job at Northern Kentucky as assistant coach, which is huge. (laughs) And we're going to hear from her in a second about that. But today on the show, we're going to be talking about joy and finding joy in every situation and every experience. We're going to learn about Coach Mal's experiences and the challenges that she's endured, and we're going to be learning about some of the lessons that she's learned along the way. And so, Coach Mal, would you mind telling us a little bit about you and your background in sports? Yeah, for sure. Uh, First of all, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for coming. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so a little bit about me, I guess. I'm originally from Richmond, Virginia. Um, I played basketball and softball all, like, growing up. And then I went to Longwood University, and I had the opportunity to play both sports, which was awesome, a really cool experience. Um, And then I graduated, like you said, and I got hired as the grad assistant at Valdosta State. And then about six weeks in, we had a little change of plans Mm -hmm. and I got to play and use my COVID year, which was amazing. I wouldn't change it one bit. And then, yeah, like you said, I got to be just a graduate assistant this past year at Valdosta State. And I just moved a little over a week ago to Northern Kentucky and I started my job here. So I'm super excited. Our players will be getting on campus soon. And yeah, we're going to start a new adventure. So yeah, congratulations again on that position. Thank you. But yeah, like Coach Val mentioned, it was kind of funny because when I got on campus as a freshman, it was Coach Mal. And then we had to adjust and just say Mal because she agreed to play. We were short a post player or two, so she stepped in as a post player because she had that extra year due to COVID. And then she was right there in conditioning with us. And then I got so used to saying Mal, and then she was Coach Mal again this year. So then that was an adjustment again. <laughs> yes. It was funny. I remember like the first couple of practices when I was playing with you guys, making that transition, you guys mm-hmm. were like passing the ball or like calling out, you're like, Coach Mal, Coach Mal. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay. um, but yeah, it was, it was crazy. Definitely a crazy experience, but I wouldn't change it. And it was amazing. And I just feel so lucky to have gotten to be your guys' teammate in addition mm-hmm. to coach. And I also remember you showed me some shoes or something that you had gotten and you're saying that it was a hard decision initially, should I coach or should I take my fifth year? And then you kind of ended up getting the best of both worlds with... (laughs) I feel like you were kind of a GA for two years. Did you have GA responsibilities that first year? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I guess the first thing I'd say is that Coach Up is an all-star because she was Mm -hmm. doing pretty much everything without a GA at all. But I got to do a few things and still Mm -hmm. like it experience and just honestly I felt like help out wherever I could in the meantime because I knew I knew that some of those responsibilities were supposed to be mine originally but it was right. awesome really yeah then it was adding to my resume at that point so mm-hmm. and yeah kind of go back a little bit before then I was trying to figure out 
if I wanted to use my fifth year at Longwood or if I wanted to enter the transfer portal or what I wanted mm-hmm. to do. Um, and then I did the So You Want to Be a Coach program. So I got excited about like looking for a GA spot. And I didn't really want to go through the recruiting process again, honestly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, then I just decided that I was going to look for a grad assistant position. And that was a long process. Like I went through a lot of interviews. I got a lot of no's. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just praying about it, journaling about it. I was like, wherever I'm supposed to be, just please, like, you know, send me there. I'm ready and I'll be patient. It was a big test in patience mm-hmm. that ultimately did pay off. I think that's what makes, you know, my the whole story even that much cooler is just how everything worked and fell into place really better than I could have ever imagined or hoped for. Mm-hmm. And now look at you. Now you're an assistant coach back at the D1 level and... <laughs> about to do all these great things with them. I'll definitely be following Northern Kentucky now, seeing how <laughs> they're doing. You. Yeah, I'm but, excited. It was kind of the same process there. I was like, oh, I've been here before. Just be patient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. My dad sometimes says in life, there's sometimes when you close a chapter of a book or like a chapter of your life closes and then a new one opens. It's like certain turning points in your life. And I that's probably how it was every different move because you're basically moving across the country and it's scary it's fun it's cool it's exciting and then it usually it always works out to be something that you didn't expect but usually a good in a good way I guess yeah no for sure to start kind of on the topic of joy um I wanted to pull up a quote that I read in a book and the book is about law of attraction and I guess when I was reading this podcast, by the way, for people listening, we had talked about doing this podcast back in probably September, August, like a really long time ago. And so throughout the year, I sometimes would find things and be like, oh, this sounds good to put in the podcast. But the quote is um, about law of attraction is basically the person, Abraham Hicks, that Uh, created the law of attraction teaches us to feel the feeling of joy without wanting things to change before we feel good in other words you don't put your joy on hold before waiting for things to change and it the book basically talks a lot also about just saying in the vibration of joy and to me this just sounds different like it's pretty difficult to do sometimes because sports are so emotional and this was something we were talking about right before the podcast but sometimes it feels like if you don't get angry and riled up or upset about things or reactive to a situation then you don't care but a lot of the masters of the game and of sports and of you know spiritual practices in general seem to be almost emotionless and This isn't necessarily like they're upset, but it's also, it doesn't seem like necessarily it's complete happiness either. So I guess to start this topic off, I know that was kind of a lot, but what's your take on the difference between happiness and joy? Yeah, that's that's a good question and one that I've thought about a good bit, honestly, and sometimes it still changes in my mind and I go Mm -hmm. back and forth, but... I really think happiness is more of a feeling. So when something happens, it either made you feel happy or it didn't. Or, you know, you got something or you went somewhere and it made Mm -hmm. you happy. 
versus joy is like a constant, like a state of being rather than a feeling or an emotion. Mm -hmm. So, and really the first time I started thinking about that was um, at Longwood, one of our core values was joy and which I always loved that. And it was, you know, finding the joy in practice or finding the joy in this activity that we're doing that maybe everyone hates, like, or things Mm -hmm. like that. But, and it's, but then it started to mean a little bit more to me, really, like, even beyond that, just in life, and how knowing that God is always with us, and that he's the source of that joy that could surpass like anything like that we're experiencing, like in our life. And so I think once I made that association with joy, like everything kind of changed for me, perspective wise, I think Mm -hmm. that's best part about finding joy and looking for it is like just the perspective that it brings. Mm -hmm. Do you agree with kind of making the choice to feel joy without wanting things to change before you feel good about your life or about the situation? Yeah, I think that quote is awesome. I've never heard it before, Um, Mm -hmm. but I think it applies to like life, right? Like it was kind of like the examples for happiness was like, oh, well, I just have to like buy this pair of shoes. And once I get this, or once I get my own apartment, and I have all of these things, or whatever it is that like marks a milestone or like checks a box for you, that's probably rooted in comparison in some form, like that'll be it, like, then you'll have found it and you made it or like, oh, once I get out of this job or this relationship or whatever, you think that is like stealing your joy. I think like getting out of that mindset of like nothing can steal your joy because your Mm -hmm. joy is constant and it's always there for you to like lean into. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think absolutely you can't wait for things to change before like deciding that you can actually be happy or feel that joy. Um, Like you'll be waiting all the time because there's always Mm going to be something holding you back from that. But yeah, I love that. It's the difference of basing your sense of how you feel on external things versus internal things or on God. Like if you're a faithful person, if you're a spiritual person, those are constant things. But if you base how you feel in your emotions or I don't know if joy is considered an emotion or not or just a state or choice. But if you base it on, say, having a car, when the car gets taken away, then you're left sad, I guess, or just in a state of lack, you know. So I guess going along with that, how do you think that people and athletes can learn to stay in a vibration of joy? That's a good question because I think it's really hard to do. And I do think that it comes with maturity a little bit and Mm -hmm. just like everything else that an athlete has to do, like you have to practice at it. So like Mm -hmm. when you encounter a situation where you typically would react this way, like having the poise and the perspective to be like, okay, this is how I would normally respond to this. Instead, like I'm going to remember these things. So maybe you need to do a gratitude journal or have an accountability partner of someone to just be like, hey, like I'm not feeling it right now. Mm -hmm. Remind, let's go over the things that we do love. Mm -hmm. I think that's what people talk about a lot. Remembering your why and your purpose. So that could be something that you go to in those moments. Um, Mm -hmm. Just finding someone that makes you laugh or brings you some sort of like instant happiness or bright light. Because people are always talking about that, right? Like you want to be around those types of people. So if you're not that type of person yet, then acknowledge that and find those people until Mm -hmm. you eventually grow into that person. 
And there's also that whole thing about, I've just seen it around Twitter and places that a lot of times the traits that you recognize and you respect in other people are the same traits that you have within yourself. So kind of the people, I don't know which comes first, you choosing to surround yourself with those people or you becoming that person, you know, but regardless, they reflect you in a way. But kind of what you just said goes along with the next quote. I grabbed a few quotes from that book. This quote is, every time you spend time looking at something unwanted, you practice the vibration that attracts it to you. So kind of putting attention toward things that you don't want makes those things more likely to appear or to come to you in a way. Kind of reminded me of what you just said, just focusing on things that you don't want versus focusing on the positive things, as cliche as that sounds, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think that reminds me too, in sports, I think people hear it a lot. Oh, if you're worried about making a mistake, that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to make a mistake because you're so in your head about it, kind of working yourself up. And then that's all that there's left to happen because that's all you've been thinking about instead of like flipping it. And I think a lot of sports psychologists and things like people talk about imagining or picturing good things happening, like you making the play or like you winning or you, you know, whatever it might be, the winning moment, literally picturing specific moments happening and like visualizing that. But or it's just like manifestation. Like, I feel like that's gotten popular, too. And like, like you said, they all kind of sound like cliche, but it's real things that you are what you attract. Just like you said, I think it's that same thing applies. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, it's hard to remember that. And we get kind of caught in that endless loop of, well, I was worried about it and then it happened. So that's why I was worried about it in the first place. And then you're Mm -hmm. still going to be thinking about it and you just get kind of stuck in that. So I think you can't do it by yourself either. You have to Mm -hmm. have people around you pointing it out to you like, hey, no, we can't think about that. You have to have a short memory. We got to focus over here. So leaning on other people for that as well. Mm -hmm. And I honestly, kind of what you were saying about if you fixate on a mistake that could happen, then it's more likely to happen. I feel like the most important thing is to, as an athlete, try your best to build a solid foundation of being able to stay present even because I've had troubles in the past with I'm sure you have too with I know I'm not supposed to be thinking about making a mistake but I'm still really worried I'm about to make a mistake you know what I mean yeah I can't just turn it off right yeah so and that's been a realization for me as I've gotten older because when I was younger I was like I can't wait till I just I'm not ever doubting anything and I'm just super ultra confident but those thoughts they don't ever really go away. You can just choose to give them less attention, you know? And you also simultaneously prepare. You get better. Your skills get better. That gives you confidence. You get results. That gives you confidence. So that goes hand in hand with it. But it's kind of learning, like we were talking about with happiness, the thoughts will come, the thoughts will go, but it's a choice to stay in a certain vibration or a certain energy of attracting the good and wanting to stay present and almost also expecting the good you know yeah but I also pulled there's somebody that I had on my podcast named Julie Fournier and she is she works um at Clemson and she is also an author and has a brand called basketball psychology but recently she tweeted a response to a tweet by Matt Clark who's the director of clinical and sport psychology at Arizona 
And the tweet by Matt Clark said, what is something not discussed enough in sports and in performance psychology? And she responded just with one word, happiness. And I think that that's so true. And I don't know if you have anything else to add to that, but I just really wanted to include that tweet because I feel like in a way she also means joy by saying that, you know, but. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think that's awesome. And it honestly, it sort of does speak for itself. But yeah, I think people are so worried about, oh, how, you know, how are we going to teach them to be good leaders? And how can we win more games and all the X's and O's and all of these things, nutrition, like all this stuff. And it's like, well, when's the last time that they just smiled and laughed and like got to hang out and like, you were just like a breath of fresh air to the athlete. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I mm -hmm. think that's important. I think there's a time and place for being serious and all that. But at the end of the day, it's a game and we play yeah. it because we love basketball not because it's a business you know even though there's yep. money involved and there's jobs involved and there's high stakes sometimes at the end of the day you do it because it brings you happiness and it's something you like to do but I'm just going to transition to the first main topic which is unexpected blessings and opportunities and so the first question I want to ask you is we already touched on this a little bit but I know it was a really big debate for you whether or not to take your fifth year even though now, looking back, you have no regrets. At the time, I'm sure that was a difficult decision. So what were some of the thoughts and factors that you considered when deciding whether or not to return to basketball? Honestly, in the moment, it wasn't a hard choice. Once the opportunity was presented to me, it mm -hmm. was like, well, it's all right here, kind of falling into place. And like, I asked Coach D a couple of questions, but I was, I was like, this is such a good opportunity. You know, that wasn't the hard part. I think it was months prior when I was like, okay, like, do I want to try to go somewhere? Do I want to do mm -hmm. this? Like, my feeling. And like, that was a hard decision because um, mm -hmm. obviously you love the sport that you play and you would want to play it forever if you could. Right. <laughs> and that's what a lot of people were telling me. <laughs> well, we just don't want you to have any regrets, things like that. And I was like, yeah, you're right. But like, this is just what I'm feeling is the right path for me. Like, I think I'm ready just to kind of turn the page, like you're saying, start the mm -hmm. new chapter. But yeah. honestly, I think it's like a testament to that I'm not in control of what the next step mm -hmm. was. As much as I mulled over that decision and was like, oh, I think this is the right thing. At the end of the day, it's pretty clear that it wasn't up to me, right? <laughs> I think there was already plans in motion for me. And that just was, I had to make what I thought was the decision in order to <laughs> end up where I ended up. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think honestly, more than anything, what I learned from that was just like trusting, trusting in God, honestly. I was yeah. so stressed. So like, oh, I don't know. What am I going to do? And it all worked out so much better. So like, as I've just gone forward in like life, whenever I have something kind of come up and I'm trying to make this decision, it's like, I'm going to do my due diligence, obviously. Like I have to, you know, make an informed decision and things like that. But really, it's like asking, asking who matters the right. most in situations and just trusting that. So, yeah. Kind of just... That oh, sorry. You froze for a second. No, you're fine. Go ahead. Well, what it sounds like you're saying is just not forcing things because nothing's going to stop that plan that God already had for your life. Say that I'm sure if you decided to go play somewhere, that would have been the right decision for you too because you were on the fence. But when you decided to go coach, then the situation <laughs> arose again to go play. So that was almost confirmation that you still had untapped potential or untapped experiences, I guess, with basketball. Yeah. And then kind of going along with that, 
I talked about this with Kayla Fry some because she kind of went through a similar thing this year. But do you have any tips or advice for athletes on how to approach the mental and physical challenges of returning to your sport after having the break that you did or maybe if they have an injury or something that physically compromised them with you having that long break in between and then just having to jump straight into conditioning? Yeah. Um, <laughs> my advice would be to make a plan <laughs> a mm-hmm. little bit. Probably what I did was not like the healthiest thing ever because I did go from like nothing just like full on working mm-hmm. out. But I mean, I kind of know my body, so I wasn't going to like get injured. But I think it's just important once you make that decision, make a plan with people that know what they're talking about and can kind of you know, set something up for you. And we got Mm -hmm. like that quickly, like coach D helped me manage that and Preston at the time and things like that. Like we're very intentional with everything. So I think it's just important to have open lines of communication and make that plan and then stick to it. And yeah, I think for like the physical side, like definitely just asking other people that know more than you do that are experts Mm -hmm. area. But I think Mentally, it kind of just goes back to your why again, I think, because like, yeah, to do the conditioning, right? So you're like, oh my gosh, really? Like, I thought I, I thought I was done with this. And now you're all of a sudden conditioning again, but it's for the greater cause, right? So like, I right. know that I have to do this so that in three months, I can actually perform to my fullest. Because you know yourself, if I'm not in shape, and then we're playing pickup, and I'm like, I can't hardly get up and on the court, okay, now I'm going to lean into my conditioning because I know that I need it to Mm -hmm. really at my best. So I think just kind of trying to keep that perspective. But yeah, it is hard. I mean, I'm not like, I think Mm -hmm. any time that you have a break, whether it is injury or just not playing or, you know, Mm -hmm. there's so many different things that could kind of pop up. It's always an adjustment and it's always as difficult. So I just think giving yourself time to rest also and like recover properly. And just mm-hmm. talking to people, like letting them know where you're at. Like, you don't have to be like, oh, this is awesome every day. Like, I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. No, it's like, sometimes maybe you're not, but we're going to get through it and we're going to, you know, get the most out of that workout. Right. Just kind of knowing it's a necessary thing that you need to do and you're going to get through it because you had those people that were going to support you and knew that that was your situation, that you were going from zero to 100, kind of. Yeah. But you did a really good job for going from zero to 100. I don't (laughs) think that you ever sat out of anything. But um, now I'm just going to transition a little bit to talk about your actual experiences playing at Longwood and playing at VSU and kind of the experiences that you had and kind of your expectations at each place. So I guess first, what was it like playing at Longwood for four years? Yeah, so my freshman year, I got recruited by one head coach. He was there for my freshman year. And mm-hmm. then after that, we got a new head coach going into my sophomore year for the next like three years at Longwood. So whenever you have like a coaching change, that's always an adjustment, whether it be, you know, a good thing or sometimes people don't think it's such a good thing or whatever it is, it's always going to be an adjustment. So, I mean, I had a great experience with both my head coaches. Like I was lucky in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously when I committed there, like I liked the coach and wanted to play for him. And then um, our next coach that came in, like we ended up getting along really well. And she taught me a lot about leadership and just like so many things that I probably haven't even fully like realized yet that she's taught me. Um, mm-hmm. that I'm really grateful for. So yeah, that's kind of one aspect to it. And then other than that, like our team, 
we struggled my freshman and sophomore year. We weren't very good. Like we didn't win a lot of games. And then finally, my junior and senior year, the transition started happening and we were improving and doing much better. So that was another layer to my experience. And then, yeah, I think personally, right? So I played a lot my freshman year. I played a lot my sophomore year. And Mm -hmm. then I had back surgery after my sophomore year, Mm -hmm. um, which is scary. It's not as scary as it sounds, but it's still like back surgery. And it was like your four month recovery, I think. And so then that kind of stalled my junior year. And then we brought in new recruits because we were trying to change things. And so my role started to change a little bit in my minutes and just kind of there were a lot of changes happening onto my senior year. Yeah. But then at the same time, I had like an increasing leadership role kind of all four years, really like freshman year of the lease, and then you kind of grow into it. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, so that's kind of the various layers to it. And then also, like I said, I got to play softball as well, which was awesome. Yeah, Yeah, if you guys don't know that, Coach Mal (laughs) is a two-sport Division I athlete. So so there was always something happening, always some workouts go to, some practice. Um, But I'm so grateful for that opportunity to Mm -hmm. have done that for four years. And we won the Big South Championship my sophomore year in softball. Um, Wow. So just so many experiences junior year was COVID season though so didn't didn't get that canceled yeah so actually whenever like basketball season transitions into softball so typically somewhere in March right like when we Mm -hmm. finish our postseason play in basketball I just go to softball so I went to literally one day we had a game like that next day that we had transitioned and then that night they made the decision to send us home so and then that was it (laughs) oh Yeah, and so yeah, because it's in the spring, so that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yep, and then we also went through a coaching change in softball my senior year. So Mm -hmm. lots of experiences and things that taught me a lot, especially like me wanting to be a coach. Like all those things Mm -hmm. molded me in different ways. You know, you take Mm -hmm. what you like from people and try to emulate it, and you take what you know, you didn't have such a great experience with and like learn from that too. And you're like, oh, maybe I'd rather try to do it this way. Things like that. But yeah, that's the not very short version, I think. (laughs) No, I feel like that is the short version because that's a lot of things that you went through and put in a small segment of this podcast. But would you ever consider going into softball coaching or anything? Or is that kind of just your side sport? Yeah, well, it's funny that you say that because my dad will mention that randomly. But so it kind of like I always I started playing softball first when I was little because my dad was Mm -hmm. a baseball coach. So, oh, that's awesome. I love it. That was kind of my first love sport. But then I started playing basketball and I loved that because it was something different. The pace of the game was faster. You could do a little bit better at having a short memory because you had to go do something else, right? Like you yes, stand there and I think can about see it. that. Yeah, so I loved that aspect. And it was new and different to me when I was like first starting out. And so then I played both, obviously, all the way up. And then I actually did decide in, I guess, sophomore, junior year of high school, probably more so sophomore, because I was playing travel softball and AU basketball. And like during the summers, you can imagine, that doesn't Mm -hmm. work out well. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna keep playing basketball, pursue that and like try to get a scholarship to play in college. That's just what I'm going to focus on. And so then through my recruiting process, Longwood actually presented the opportunity to me to play both. Like on my visit, they set it up where I could meet with the softball coach and kind of do it that way. Because 
really that's pretty unheard of. Like a lot of the other schools when I would go on after they brought it up, I was like, well, like they said I could play both. Like, is that an opportunity here? And they're like, no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, that was a big part of my decision to even go there because I could do both and just kind of continue. But I think really basketball is my number one now. Yeah. (laughs) pretty confidently but there's always you know that different type of love I guess for softball too but Mm -hmm. so did they just know that you had that you played softball too or did you tell them when they set that up I guess I don't really know how they figured it out because I'd been playing like travel softball so I think like the lines had crossed at some point but then like the basketball coaches honestly it was a good recruiting tactic (laughs) like Uh uh-huh they were like, we want this girl to come here, so maybe if we let her do this, like, and it yeah. works. So. <laughs> but that is very rare, because I don't know anyone else that plays. Yeah. Actually, I know one girl that plays two sports, but not at a D1 school, because I know the expectations and time commitment is the highest there. So Yeah, and they worked out a lot of the logistics of it. Like, who are you doing preseason with? Who are you lifting with? When do we switch over? You know, things mm-hmm. like that. So I just got That's nice. Coaches yeah. That really, like, cared about me and were willing to like work that out so and so when you came to VSU and you ended up playing was the adjustment I guess you didn't you didn't end up playing softball at VSU so that's kind of a I guess non-topic but for basketball wise was the adjustment what you expected when it comes to training and competition level and kind of just everything Yeah, so I think that's one thing I would say about Coach D and, like, the women's basketball program at Valdosta State is that it's run at, like, a very high level. So, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, comparable to my experience at Longwood. Obviously, you don't work out during the summertime, and some of the hours are different. But other than that, a lot of the demands are very equal. Like, our scouting reports are just as detailed workouts and things are just as regimented physically taxing sometimes even more so obvsu yeah so i think i mean that's just a testament to like the level of program that we have here that honestly there was no drop off in any area Mm -hmm. it was kind of just smooth and i think also personally i come in everywhere and i'm like okay i'm gonna push myself and work to the highest level but coach d was gonna get that out of us one way or another Mm-hmm. So, yeah, not not a big difference in a good way as far as mm-hmm. like competitive and willingness and want to compete and win and improve all the time. Do you think the competition, like who we played against, was similar as well? Um, that's a good question. I think I feel like, like oh, sorry. No, you're fine. Yes and no. I think there's a difference in obviously post play. I think is I was the one say area. size. Yeah, Yeah. that is definitely different. So yeah, like you said, size and just like, now, (laughs) that being said, I was also like, we got the pleasure to play with Kawanjalin, who could have competed at a high level at Longwood or in the Big South. Probably anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, all right. (laughs) But um, other teams, yeah, I think that's one area. And like how we always talk about that, the team with the best post player, like, is Mm -hmm. usually successful because of that. And then, yeah, but it, it kind of went back and forth. Like, sometimes I was like, wow, <laughs> we could have, you know, compete. It was fun kind of making those comparisons back and forth and just looking at, like, my experiences and, oh, this team is yeah, kind of like right? this. But mm-hmm. it competed over here. And it, it kind of, like, burst that bubble, really, of, like, oh, Division Two or Division One, all these preconceived things that you have in your head. When it comes down to, like, actual playing on the court, a lot of them 
are not it's not as big of are a not jump there as, yeah yeah you're not the only one that said that because we had for the people that don't know our team specifically we had what two or three two girls come from d1 this year and they both said the same thing that they actually both said that our program was more physically demanding than the programs they had come from so I'm not, I didn't ask them specifically about the competition and their their specific expectations where they met or not, but I think that they would probably agree with a lot of what you just said as well. Um, and then I guess to get back to the topic of joy, um, what are some ways that you found joy while playing basketball at Longwood and then while playing basketball at VSU, and then I guess then transitioning into your role as a coach. So I guess finding yeah. joy in each stage of this athletic journey that you've been on now for a lot of years. Yeah, um, that's a good question and kind of like fun to reflect on. Mm-hmm. But I think honestly, the most things that come to my mind, and this is going to sound kind of cliche, it's not like, oh, winning this game or like whatever. Like, obviously, one of my favorite memories is winning the region tournament. Like, yeah, you know, me too. That whole experience. But at the same time, I wouldn't say that that's where like, my most joyful time. Obviously, mm-hmm. it is. But some of the times that brought me the most joy was like in the film room, like before we would start watching film when we're like all sitting on the couches, like talking mm-hmm. about who knows what or like when we're on the bus talking or we did like karaoke thing, like, you know, like really silly, random yeah. things. Like, for me, like that's what really was like the most joyful times. Um mm-hmm. And like then, the sharks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just things like that. And I think in undergrad also, just times when I was like hanging out with my roommates, like doing, you know, mm-hmm. random things. Because once you kind of formulate those relationships, that's where you have the joy to kind of draw on. Like That's a constant. In practice, yeah. Yeah. So it's, oh my gosh, like this drill is terrible and I want to kind of leave practice right now, right? Like you might be mm-hmm. thinking that. And like, okay, now you can look over to like your teammate or your roommate or whatever. And you're like, oh my gosh, well, at least you're here. Cause like that makes it a little bit right. better. Or like, we can laugh about this. One of my best friends, um, she was also my roommate at Longwood. And that was one of the best parts about having her there always is we could just immediate joy almost, you know, and like you mm-hmm. need that, those people. So it's in those other moments that kind of build into that pool that you can draw from when you need that little bit of joy or whatever it might be um Mm -hmm. but yeah I think it's all those small moments for me Mm -hmm. but don't get it twisted the the trophy's fun too but right yeah (laughs) and would you say that in those moments when your faith was tested that was also really important like when you had your back surgery and stuff you had your friend or you had those moments with your teammates still being around the team yeah for sure and I think there's also times when it's like sometimes it's something outside of basketball or your sport also so I'm trying to think of examples like um, our FCA leader at Longwood she was a source of that for me like I could go to her just talk to her ask her questions like when I was kind of like finding my faith honestly and like learning Mm -hmm. more I would go to her and ask questions And that helped me a lot throughout my senior year. And just things like that. I think as much as, you know, we want to find joy right there, like quickly in practice, like sometimes you you outsource that too, right? So like Mm -hmm. my parents, calling my parents and my mom 
offering some perspective because like sometimes she doesn't always know you know i'll call her after the game i'm like oh my gosh i did this so terribly and she's like oh i thought you did great mm-hmm. even though sometimes like frustrating it's also okay you're right like <laughs> i'm overthinking this right like mm-hmm. so else like that can offer that perspective um mm-hmm. and uh you were talking about that's when you're finding your faith do you have any advice for athletes who are wanting to start integrate integrating their faith into their lives with sports yeah so i think that that's awesome first of all um and exciting mm-hmm. honestly i didn't know jesus until like my senior year of college and one of the biggest things is i was like if i had known this all along (laughs) a lot of things would have been easier for me just having that perspective this other outlet to talk about like someone to turn to right (laughs) like Mm -hmm. being able to pray or like journal or just like have that as a source of joy really um Mm -hmm. is like so special so i think my advice would be on your campus, find like FCA or just people like coaches or other people around who are believers. You can usually tell, but, (laughs) um, and just be, just ask questions. I mean, my situation was kind of special. I actually took a class my fall semester of senior year and it was called the problem of evil. And so like, that's when I started learning about God because it was talking about like evil in general. It wasn't a faith-based class at all. It was just And then it kind of went into like different readings about like whether God is real or not and all these things. Mm -hmm. And my brain was like (laughs) exploding. And so I got to learn about it that way. So like if you're curious, but you don't really want to talk to anyone yet, see if there's like a class or something happening, you can text me or DM me or something (laughs) also. We'll throw your Instagram handle out there Yeah, in the um, description. Yeah, I think that's my biggest advice is like ask somebody or try to seek it out because I just wish I had known sooner and I mm-hmm. want anybody else in that same boat to get access to it sooner. Right. And I think that's so important. I think it's whether you're Christian or whether like I'm Jewish and I know there's other people that I know that play sports that are all these different religions or maybe you're just a really spiritual person. I think just it kind of goes back to surrounding yourself with those people that are like-minded with you whether you're the same religion, whether you're a different religion, but just people that have a heart for God and have faith and are going to be the people that show you that there's light in dark situations and there's hope when things seem like they're not going to be good, I guess, when they're not going well. They're going to point you toward God and they're going to help you see the light at the end of the tunnel type of thing. Yeah, Um, for sure. No, I agree. And it's kind of like, yeah, whatever it is, like, it doesn't matter who or what it is that you believe in. You just have to have Mm -hmm. something outside of the realm of your sport to, like, ground you a little bit and something else to, like, look for and lean Mm -hmm. into. I agree. Yeah, definitely on the grounding part. I know you journal, too, but just having writing as an outlet for me, and I write a lot of my prayers, but just that is a huge thing that helps me ground myself no matter if things are good no matter if things are bad no matter if they're just neutral or whatever happened at practice or whatever I can always write or I can always pray but to wrap things up today on the episode we talked about a lot of topics that apply to sports and life including adjusting schools adjusting roles experiencing unexpected blessings and challenges finding joy and leaning on faith And I guess to end the episode, 
do you have any advice for athletes that have goals and dreams of playing college sports? I think, I mean, obviously, like, you have to work, like, all the kind of, like, <laughs> right. you know, factors, like, working hard, just being a student of the game, like, all these things. But realistically, I think, too, like, getting connected with, like, the right things that are going to get you to the next level. So, like, if you're mm -hmm. serious about wanting to play in college, like, you probably need to be playing, like, on a AAU team or some sort of organization, depending on your sport, whatever it might be, so that you can get seen. So I think, like, it's being intentional with your time and effort and oftentimes money, too. So, first of all, I'll say thank you to your parents. But, um, mm -hmm. like, just being super intentional about, like, how you're kind of aligning yourself with those goals and then just also being authentic throughout that whole process. So, you know, like during the recruiting process, you're going to be talking to a lot of coaches. It's important to ask questions to, I think the first thing you need to do before that is like internally reflect on yourself a little bit. So like, what do I want? What, right. what do we have that I can provide to a program? And then what do I need that program to provide for me in order to grow like over those four years? So figure out like what you really want and need and then have like questions prepared and just being intentional with your time as you're going through the process, um, I think is really important instead of just like, oh yeah, I want to play in college and not really knowing like what that entails because mm -hmm. it's not fun to see like student athletes get somewhere and then they realize like, oh, well, this doesn't really align with yeah. my or what I needed or wanted and so I think trying to like get ahead of that process early is really important um yeah but I think that's just being intentional and the sooner that you start to reflect within like now is also the sooner that you're able to kind of mature and I think it goes hand in hand with like what we talked about at the beginning of handling pro like things that pop up and we were talking about being super emotional or having like mm -hmm. these reactions to things. So like kind of just starting that work now so that you can mature and grow all the time. Like you said, working on your skills and things that'll grow confidence, but then that you can just operate at this high consistent level, um, knowing where to find your joy when you need to. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was so really, Oh, sorry. No, you cut out for a sec. I was just going to say, just like starting that process early. So, mm -hmm. and just, I guess, staying focused on the goal and all, like you said, all the other cliche things. And being well rounded. You can, it's important to have goals and things, but also just like lean into all the other areas of your life too, because that's mm -hmm. where the joy is also. Right. You know, sometimes during basketball season, like maybe you need to go. I don't know, whatever, something else outlet, like, for fun. Do like, some art or yeah, do, go yeah, for a bike ride. Right, like, find what music, like, you like or, mm -hmm. yeah, bike ride or some other form of, like, exercise that's not just your sport. Like, all those different things. Definitely. It's so important to have another thing that, and I have a podcast about that, just the importance of creative outlets, how they can help you. But just having... Whether it's creative outlet or not, just something else. Not so your identity isn't based in the one sport that yes. you play in college. Oh, that's a good one. We could do a whole other one on identity, but we'll yes, save it. for sure, <laughs> for sure. But thank you so much again, Coach Mao, for joining me today on the podcast. Um, I really appreciate all the things that you shared today, 
with us all the insight and knowledge that you have that you shared to the world today. And I feel like people are going to be able to take a lot away from this, whether that's about your experiences at D1, D2, finding joy, finding faith, staying grounded, all that, all those types of things. Um, and thank you all for listening to the Live With Grace podcast and stay tuned for the next episode.